Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book and chapter by chapter. And while this was fast, we're finishing out another book of the Bible today. Uh, we talked about this last time. We just started Haggai, and Haggai is just two chapters long, but he's the prophet who says, so much with so little. And of course, we're not really done. Uh, Haggai and Zechariah really do belong in a pair um, and so we'll be we'll be starting Zechariah next week, and so it'll just flow right into that. But so here we are, the second half of Haggai. It's encouragement for these two leaders, Zerubbabel and Joshua, not the Joshua we were reading about before, uh, who is the leader who succeeded Moses, but Joshua, this high priest. You know, there's there's a situation where things have not been as they should be for at least like 15 years or so. We were saying the exiles have returned, but things are a mess. Uh, there's a drought. Nothing is is quite right. and Nothing's living up to expectations, especially not with regards to the temple. But God comes into the situation, gives this word from the prophet Haggai, and Haggai's going to live up, I think, a little bit more to his name, I think, today, giving them some encouragement that there is glory that's coming to this temple. There will indeed be a real feast here. So, Good stuff today, closing out the book, setting up Zechariah, and joining us today. This is this is a treat. We haven't had this guest on in a little bit, so it's great to have him back. We've got Pastor George Murda, who's the pastor at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Douglasville, Georgia, because there are not only Baptists in Georgia, but also Lutherans. Good morning, brother. Good to have you with us. Yes, good morning, good morning. A pleasure to be with you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great to have you back. I think did did we have you on in numbers last time? Is that right? I think so. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've we made a little bit of progress since numbers, and we were we're <laughs> not just wandering through the wilderness. Uh, yeah. We're we're not just trying to conquer the promised land. In fact, we we took the promised land. We lost the promised land, and now we're back. <laughs> there you go. There's the the re- return of the remnant from Babylon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So in, in the second chapter of Haggai, you know, it's uh, it's it's really interesting. It starts off very similarly with like these these dates and, and these names, right? But uh-huh, right. just like we were seeing it last time yesterday, with with all these dates uh, and all these names, like Haggai's doing a lot. There's a there's a lot there when you actually kind of stop and you're like, oh, hang on, and you and you soak what those numbers um, and those names actually mean. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting, of course, the chapter 2 begins uh, with a date um, there, which is the um, uh, an October date, um, which deals with uh, the uh, end of the Sukkah, uh, the Feast of Booths, <clears throat> which would have been a harvest festival. And uh, so right. it's the end of the harvest time, and it wasn't so great a harvest, but it was the end of the harvest time. And, uh, and then, of course, towards the end of the book, uh, the date that's given uh, towards the end of ch- uh, chapter 2, there in verse 10, uh, the date that is given is then, of course, the, the date uh, uh, suggesting the uh, planting time. So mm-hmm. uh, there, there, you can think of it in a sense that between these two times that he's speaking here, there's been kind of a dearth of provision and that sort of thing for, for the Jews in, in mm-hmm. uh, Jerusalem having returned from Babylon, et cetera. And, uh, and now uh, that, that kind of dry period, if you will, that kind of wilderness 
uh, experience they've had now is now at the end of the book, as we will see as we go through it at the end of the chapter here, uh, will be uh, uh, restored, replenished, and all like that in conjunction with what they're doing with the temple. And and God will again bless them with abundance uh, of harvest. So it's, it's he has that, bit, uh, you know, uh, bookends between those two dates, yeah. Right, yeah. So, I mean, his... Uh... The dates really match his name, where he's signaling there there is going to be a, a turnaround here. We're going to have a real feast, and we're really going to be able to right. celebrate, right? Like the, the prophets, right. I mean, of course, so often in their prophecies, they're they're signaling some kind of transition, right? Um, exactly. And the and the good news is this is a positive one, and that we're not going to be disappointed exactly. mm-hmm. anymore. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's a good, it's a good gospel message then today to be to be looking at um, some good stuff. Let's go mm-hmm. ahead, and if you would please uh, say a prayer for us and for everyone listening today as we close out this book, um, and we'll get started. Yes, I will. Uh, gracious Father in heaven, we give you all the glory. We praise your holy name that in every age, for uh, every. Uh, opportunity and and circumstance of our life, you have raised up those who would encourage your people. You have raised up those who have brought the truth of uh, your saving work uh, within the life of the community uh, through the words of prophets, uh, later through the words of your own son, the last prophet, Jesus Christ, and then through the apostles. We continue to get this encouragement every time we're in your word. Your spirit works that encouragement. So now as we study this uh, second chapter, the Haggai, that you would be with us also by your spirit, that we would see an encouragement there, not only for what you have done for your people Israel, but what you have done for your church, which you have called uh, out of the world, the chosen ones that you have uh, called your own church, that you would also show us your uh, goodness and your mercy and your love and your benefit in our lives, whatever the circumstances. We ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so we, we already we're already kind of mentioning the first verse here. So let's go ahead and read this mm-hmm. first verse. And if you could then uh, just kind of flesh that out, what you were saying about the significance of this date and the and the and mm-hmm. you mentioned you know Sukkoth, the the Hebrew yeah. term. If you can speak to that in just a minute here, let me just read the first right. verse. So this is mm-hmm. uh, immediately following the first chapter here in Haggai in the English Standard Version. It then says. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. So it's very similar. Um, You know, what we we had previous was on the 24th day of the month in the sixth month. So everything before was operating in the sixth month. And we saw that there was just a a very quick turnaround among the people. You know, we had that. We saw that in last the last few verses of chapter one, the Lord stirred up the spirit. Right. And so now now they've been brought back to, OK, we're going to do this. And, and now in chapter two, we, we've not gone very far ahead, maybe just like a, a week later, but um, mm-hmm. or, or actually, no, like about a month later. But there's mm-hmm. more significance, as you were saying, to this day. It's not just a, a few weeks. It's a, a festival. Yeah, it's a festival. In fact, it's, it's towards the end of that festival, which was one of the festivals kept by uh, Israel and one of the fe- festivals that the people we're able now to keep in a very special way now that they have returned to the land. Uh, and that right. was what is known as the Feast of Booths, where they would stay in booths, which remind that it was supposed to be all the festivals were supposed to be reminders, like the Passover festival and the different festivals of the things that God had done for them. And right. uh, this particular festival 
would remind them, even if they weren't out in the fields, uh, actually, you know, having to live in booths while they do the 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 harvesting, the way Boaz did when uh, when uh, his uh, cousin returned back to uh, Bethlehem, but uh, rather right. they would live in these booths out during the harvest time and during the the shearing time and that sort of thing. And so right. even even today, Orthodox Jews keep this festival. They they yep. leave their apartments and they spend a certain amount of time during the day in these. Uh, in these uh, booths outside their houses. And so it's to remember that God uh, has makes the provision and that God gives us the, the, the harvest of the, of the land and that sort of thing. And it was a festival to be kept the, to, to remind them of God's goodness and his, his mercy on them. This particular year wasn't so great for the, for the Jews, but nonetheless, they kept that festival. And this is now coming to, to, to a close. Right, right, yeah. So no, thank. That's, that's very helpful, and and uh, in particular, right. Not only was it you know during um, this festival and towards the end of it, but if it was on the twenty first day of the month, it would have been the seventh and final day of the festival. Since um, mm-hmm. it, you know the ESV is helpful here, it has that note going back to Leviticus twenty three, where it says the festival begins on seventh month, fifteenth day, and goes on for seven mm-hmm. days. So this was the seventh okay. day, and we we talked mm-hmm. about a little this a little bit. But a lot of these festivals, um, and there's some of these things alluded to in the New Testament as well, the last and final day, right, like kind of everything kind of mm-hmm. happens double mm-hmm. or the, the praise is bigger, mm-hmm. right, the celebration, it's mm-hmm. uh, the, the big, you know, it's not like, right. uh, it, it's not necessarily like, you know, it is here like in, in um, contemporary society where like Christmas, we're like, oh, yeah, Christmas. And then like, oh, yeah, I guess there's 12 days, you know, and it's just, yeah. <laughs> by, yeah, by 12, exactly. everything's like kind of fizzled out or something. But, but no, this exactly was like, right. The, exactly right. right. But this, right. this would be the day that it's supposed to be the most festive. Right. But right. As, as you're saying, it's like, but it's actually been disappointing. Exactly. Right. Right. And, and you, this is a, if you want to think of uh, Haggai as really de- delivering a sermon here, uh, this is a technique. So he's he's uh, he's he's starting with well, it wasn't so great uh, yeah. kind of thing, and here's where we are. But then he ends yeah. the sermon, so to speak, with uh, this is what God is going to do, right? So right. it it is it is good. I mean, it it it's a, it's very well. Obviously, uh, uh, God has chosen this man to to pre- present this message to the to the Jews in Jerusalem to encourage them to finish the the work of the temple. Exactly. So let's go ahead and read then this this sermon that's delivered by this prophet that God has chosen here. Uh, let's just take it, yeah, basically the first half of the chapter here. So picking up at verse 2, mm-hmm. going through verse 9. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came up out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, 
and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So really, a lot of things jump out at you. Like, I mean, how many times, right? Like, when you get to the second half of that, it's like every sentence <laughs> is ending yeah, with, yeah. like, declares Lord of hosts. I mean, it's yeah. like this, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. God guarantees it will. There is a mm-hmm. shakeup, right? And that's the term you get, like, shakeup. So, yeah, right. help help bre- break it down for us here. Um, it's It's really mm-hmm. striking the way he lays this out. Uh, yeah, it is. Of course, he, he addresses it again to those who have kind of been given authority here, and um, both uh, within the civil realm with Zerubbabel, but also within the realm of, uh, of God's covenant and the covenant uh, uh, work of the, of the high priest and of the temple and all uh, with uh, Joshua, which is also okay. Yeshua, by the way. That's, that's yep. what that name is. And yeah. so uh, he, he has said, uh, in a sense, he's setting that up. So he he is saying to them now, God has set you as leaders. Now, obviously, probably these people were appointed. Uh, certainly, Zerubbabel is probably appointed by authorities in, in, in Babylon, in per- right. controlled by the Persians now. But right. the point of the matter is, no, God has the ultimate authority, and they have been set up, and, and especially for Zerubbabel, who is a descendant of David. So mm-hmm. he has been—these people have been specifically set up to take some responsibility here and some leadership. And that God is not going to abandon them in that, that God is going to be with them in that, um, that uh, the remnant of the people have been provided for by God, in a sense, in this kind of charismatic leadership, if you want to think of it that way. And, um, and so they, uh, they have they, that certain amount of responsibility, and all he's doing is encouraging them, take that responsibility, go ahead and embrace that. God has set you in this place now for this purpose and for these things. And often in our in our lives, we think, well, what, what is God? What's going on here? And, and we and we think that we we are subject only to the vicissitudes of the life around us or to the political situation around us. When in fact, our calling is above that. And and when we trust God uh, to to take us to that next step, then we are the ones that are going to provide that kind of of leadership, uh, if we have that position of authority or leadership, that can bring about God's God's will amongst the people. And I think that's kind of what he's doing there first. Then he goes into then what will happen. Mm-hmm. And it starts there. Uh, it, you know, he begins there, of course, talking about, you know, my spirit remains in your midst, what he says there right. in the five. You know, my, you know, I never abandoned you out of, out of Egypt. I was with you all along the way. Mm-hmm. all the way to the cusp of the promised land, uh, and even during the 40 days when you were in the wilderness, and still you came into the land, and, and I, my spirit never left you. And, of course, we had the theophany of the cloud and the, and the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. But he's saying here, I'm not going to that. My spirit has was with you in Babylon. He doesn't say that here, but we understand it from the other minor prophets. And my spirit mm-hmm. was with you in Babylon. My spirit is now still with you. As you come back to the land, just as I promised, through uh, Jeremiah, and Jeremiah 1929, uh, that I would bring you back into the land in 70 years. So uh, he's done that. Now he's going to do something. He says, fear not. I love that phrase, fear not. Right. Because 
it's an oft-used phrase by Jesus. Jesus often used that phrase. He often used that phrase in the Gospels when you read through the Gospels. The one I like the best, of course, is in Luke 12:32, where he says, Fear not, little flock, for it has pleased your Father to give you the kingdom. And so uh, it has pleased God now to bring them back uh, into Jerusalem uh, to establish, in, in effect, his reign, the reign of Yahweh, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. again in that land. Uh, in Mark 6:50, 50, uh, as Jesus is coming across the waters to the disciples who are set upon in this boat All on right, the lake right. as if they were going to be destroyed, and, and they see him, and, and he says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And right. what, what Yah- I think what Yahweh is in, in doing here uh, with the people is, is saying there's nothing to fear. You're going to have opposition from these people around you that don't want you to succeed, but don't be afraid because I'm shaking the heavens. I'm going to shake right. the earth. I am the yeah. one that has control of these things, and they will happen for your good. Right. Yeah, I, I like the way you're putting it, right? Because it, it, when you say the fear not, right, it's it's like, well, it kind of just invites, well, hang on, why, why shouldn't I be afraid, right? I mean, look at this storm, look at this situation, right? Look at look at these nations, right? But as you were mm-hmm. saying, it points then ahead to fear not because I am going to act. Fear not because mm-hmm. I am with you, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. uh, and of course, mm-hmm. this is really appropriate. I appreciate you making the connection to the New Testament already. Uh, but of course, this Sunday, we observe the uh, transfiguration of our Lord. We celebrate the transfiguration in preparation Mm -hmm. for Lent, Ash Wednesday, already Mm -hmm. coming up next week. And what what do we have in our gospel text, right? From Matthew, you know, there's the, Mm -hmm. there's the, the voice, the cloud, Moses and Elijah, but then Matthew Mm -hmm. is the only one who records our Lord saying this. He he goes up to his disciples after they've, you know, been scared out of their minds Mm -hmm. by, by watching all this happen. And in Matthew, he uniquely records that our Lord looks down at the disciples and says, Fear not, rise, mm-hmm. right? You know, you don't right. have to mm-hmm. be afraid. Look here, it's it's mm-hmm. me. I'm with you. Yeah, Get up, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and and that's mm-hmm. such a that's such a pregnant, you know. Get up, because right. he had right. just said earlier, using using the same verb in Greek, um, that the third on the third day, the Son of Man was going to get up rise mm-hmm. from the dead right so mm-hmm. so i mean isn't that it's not just something right just how mm-hmm. you don't have to be afraid because god is doing mm-hmm. his resurrection stuff among you and even mm-hmm. here we see that that's exactly right yeah and uh, later uh, uh i think you read into the text uh later on and this this course then prompts us uh to understand not only what god is doing for israel here for for the jews here but what he has done for for us who uh, follow Jesus Christ, who have uh, been established by the power of the Holy Spirit in the in the community of, of faith. Uh, he says here, uh, after the fear not, he says, the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts there, of course, is the is the Yahweh Sabaoth. It's the uh, it's the Lord of armies, the Lord of the heavens, of all, all the powers, if you will. It's the powerful Lord. And uh, he says, but at the end, if you will look at, at, at verse 9, he talks about, uh, the latter glory of the house is going to be greater than the former, and 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 all of this sort of thing. And then he says, "In this place, I will give shalom. I will give peace." And so, it, right. it is interesting that uh, in, at the end of five, it says, "Fear not." Uh, that when Jesus uh, uh, appeared after the resurrection, 
uh, the first word he said is shalom. And the first word he said, peace be with you. And then what did he do? He breathed on him, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So just as the Spirit of God is in the midst of the Jews now, as they do in Jerusalem, what God has sent them to do, restore the temple, restore this this covenant relationship with him in the land he gave them. So Jesus comes after his resurrection, after the, it looks like the devastation, the worst kind of time you could be in. Here he is. And what does he say? His spirit is again amongst them with peace. And this is just an, an incredible, incredible thing. Um, uh, he promised peace to his people uh, in the Old Testament, and that peace uh, is also ours in, in the New Testament as well. Uh, as we right. see that, and you really have to make the connection there. The, the because on the one hand, and we've because we've seen, we've looked at this a little bit. We saw this um, especially when we were looking at Daniel and Ezra. How mm-hmm. we know that literally, what's what's being prophesied here does come to pass, like on a physical, material level, somewhat. Right? I mean, yeah. we, we know mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. What what happens, or as you were saying, Babylon under control of the Persians mm-hmm. now. Um, you know they actually set them up with with gold and and silver exactly. and lots of mm-hmm. materials and, and fine uh, timber, right? High quality stuff um, to actually mm-hmm. go and they make and they make this temple. And uh, the re- the record, right, is that I think what it says in Ezra, if I recall, is that it ends up being twice as tall as it was before, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it's true on a certain on a certain level, like, yeah, like in a little while, God's going to do all this stuff and all this stuff's going to show up from, from the treasuries of Persia. Right. And it's, yeah. And that's going to be the, you know, the nations, right. Basically the the Gentiles coming to do this thing. Um, And yet, and yet, right. That's all going to happen. But is the house going to be filled with glory? Right. I mean, is it, is it really going to be uh, glorious in the same sense of that, that cloud that was following the uh, people of Israel around in the wilderness and into the promised land, you know, that cloud that uh, from which God spoke to Moses and Joshua, was that going to happen? See, and that's, and that's the tension that the cloud seems to be missing. And like we were just talking about, the cloud doesn't come back um, until the new Testament and it doesn't come back on the physical temple. It comes back and descends on Jesus at the transfiguration. Precisely. Yes, precisely. And and also, I think uh, as as we think about as we think about the prophecies in the three you know kind of the three levels of prophecy, one right. is to address what is going on now, uh, and is to show how that is a fulfillment of what God did in the past, and then a mm-hmm. foreshadowing of what God will do in the future. So it, it uh, all prophecy kind of contains that that dynamic, and we have that here as well, so that. Uh, the, in fact, the glory of, of the Lord will appear in the temple, and we all know that, uh, that that glory ultimately that is being foreshadowed here is the glory of the Christ, um, the right. Son of God, who came to the temple. So that it, even early on, Luke makes that uh, 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 in chapter 2, when after uh, the, uh, Jesus and his family has come to Jerusalem to the festival, and they leave and he stays, and they find him where? In the temple. And there he says to them, did you not know I must be in my father's house? And, uh, and, and later, of course, the illusion that he would make to the temple and his own body, and his, his, his right. body being the temple that works 
the real reconciliation, that the sacrifice that is the ultimate sacrifice, which is why at the end of the transfiguration, we go into that lengthened period that reprise of the last weeks of Jesus' life through the, uh, through the passion, death, and resurrection. Yeah. So we, we see this foreshadowed in the Old Testament. I have no problem in, in, in at all looking at this and realizing that, that it, we, we, we have to also see that, that foretelling of the, of the ultimate glory of God to be revealed. Right. Exactly. All right, well, there's, and there's more that could be said about that, but we need to go into sure. our break here. But everybody, hang on. We're looking at Haggai chapter 2 here on Thy Strong Word, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Todd Wilkin, inviting you to join us for Issues Etc. weekday afternoons from 3 to 5. Issues Etc. is a live call-in show with a twofold purpose. We defend and teach the truths rediscovered during the Reformation, grace, faith, scripture, and Christ alone, and we challenge today's postmodern culture with its unbiblical ideology. Issues Etc. live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. To know and know how, that is, to understand a situation and have the will and the power to do something about it. Dr. Michael Ziegler says, in our depths of pain and loss, God knows, and God knows how to lift us up and bring us through. Hear Dr. Ziegler's message of strength and encouragement this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson. You know, life is a potpourri of good experiences and really tough challenges. Through all those times you need, and so do I, the Lord's precious word and sacred music to get you through. That's what you get when you tune in to Moments of Assurance, Christ-centered songs, scripture, news items, trivia, humor, you name it. So tune in. You'll be richer for it over the noontime hour here on Worldwide KFUO. Moments of Assurance is underwritten by Mid-American Coaches. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Haggai Chapter 2 today, and we're joined by Pastor George Murdaugh, pastor of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Douglasville, Georgia. I want to make sure to invite our live listeners. If you have a question for me or Pastor Murdaugh, we're, we're talking, you know, this is a, this latter history again, and we, there's these names in terms like, you know, the governor and the high priest, right? So if you have a question for us, you can call 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Or as always, you can send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Also, I want to make sure to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thanks for your support. Their website is lhfmissionsplural.org. So we were we just read uh, this first half, basically, or maybe it's more like kind of the first third, really. Um, and we're talking about this as you as you put it. I like the way you put it, like the three levels of of prophecy. And on, on the one level, this this prophecy 
um, which is, as we were saying, very appropriately happening on the last day of the Feast of Booths, right? You know, when, when we're thinking mm-hmm. about like, oh, yeah, we, we used to just be living in tents and it used to just be a tabernacle, right? Not even a temple. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just kind of very suggestive, like, oh, because because there kind of really isn't a real temple right now still, is there, right? We're not done. We're not, you know, we're still working on it, right? So very appropriate right. setting on that first level. In a little while, yeah, um, we know that there's a first wave of people who returned and there's a, another wave um, with Ezra, with all this all this stuff, silver and gold, right? So literally in a little mm-hmm. while, it's going to come and they're going to be able to actually complete the project. But mm-hmm. on the second level, we were saying that this, you know, looks ahead to the, to the, to the Lord Jesus, the, the transfiguration, right? Um, I mean, his, his passion and resurrection and ascension. And then, mm-hmm. you know, this is the level I don't, I don't think we had a chance to really talk about. You know, we, we see this stuff happening then in our own lives today in the life of the church. So, I mean, looking, looking at this just first third, uh, these first nine verses, I mean, how, how do you see us in these verses? Well, <clears throat> I think that, uh, of course, you can you can particularize it, or you can see it broadly in, in the church. But um, you know, I, I hmm, I think we may have just lost uh, Pastor Murda. Uh, <clears throat> let's let's give him a, a second to to get back. We'll try to, and we have our people working on that. But <clears throat> as he was just saying, right? You know, it's uh, you, you can kind of look at this you know, as the, the church broadly or, you know, yourself as an individual person. And what, what's interesting, I, I think that when we kind of look at this as individuals, you see that that word there, and we, we <laughs> it's really interesting. Uh, yet now, be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua. I mean, that's almost exactly <laughs> what God said in Joshua chapter 1 to that Joshua, right? That be strong and very courageous, if we remember that, right? So very interesting that here it here it comes again. And it's it's this word that we saw. It's it's not a word that means like, you know, like, you know, oh, just, you know, become strong or just, I, I don't know, like, you know, work on yourself so that you improve yourself and, and increase your capacity and your talent. It doesn't mean that. It means be strong in the sense of resolving yourself to something, mm-hmm. right? Like fixing yourself, good. dedicating yourself to something. And right. particularly it's, it's a, an action of faith really here. Trust mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. my promises and stick to what right. I've said. So you're, you're back, brother. Go, go ahead and take it yeah, away. <laughs> I, got, I got knocked off. I'm sorry. I got knocked off. Yeah. No, I think uh, as I'm thinking about the life of the church, you know, the, the, the life of the church always had its, had its challenges. Uh, not only those early churches that we see in the Acts of the Apostles, but further on uh, in the history of the church, there were always those times when there was really a real concern about, uh, is the Lord with us? Is is he still there? And yet in every age, somehow, he has uh, raised up uh, those who would appoint us always to Christ, Christ crucified and risen from the dead. And we have these in every age. I mean, if, if you just do a just really a just a cursory study of church history, it seems in every age, uh, there are these people that are set up uh, from the early uh, 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 patriarchs of the church uh, right. all the way through to the early Middle Ages, and then, of course, with the Reformation and on through. We always—God uh, raises up his Pauls. He raises up his Peters. He raises up his his uh, Barnabases all along the way throughout the history of the church. And their message is fairly consistent that, uh, fear not, I am with you. Uh, that it's it's always that the Lord is in charge of His church. Um, 
and I, I think the church gets in trouble when it decides that uh, we're going to replace uh, the um, headship of Christ with something else, something that maybe we came up with or that we invented. And this happened in the life of Israel before uh, Christ, and it happens in the church in a certain way where we uh, do, do not continue to listen to and, and receive uh, the encouraging words of Christ being constantly uh, uh, schooled in the, in the Gospels and in uh, the experience of the church as carried out in the, uh, in the writings of the apostles. Right. And I think that when we do that, we, it, puts a, it puts us firmly again on the foundation of the cornerstone that has been set. There was a, there was a foundation already set for this temple here at the time of Haggai, but no, nothing was being put on it. Nothing was being raised up on it. People got too much concerned about their stuff. And right. they forgot to, 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 to really focus on that foundation and, 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 and fill it in, so to speak, in the sense of God giving them the, the resources to do it. And that's where we are. Let's not forget the resources that God has given us personally and, and as a church body uh, to bring that word into work. I, I've, spent, I've spent 15 years uh, in India. I'm, I'm still involved there. And I will tell you that over and over again, we see the, the, the foundation of Jesus Christ being set and tremendous, tremendous um, uh, living stones being built upon it. And that is the kind of thing that we, have to, we know God is carrying on in the world today, all over the world, and that he can do amongst us as we renew ourselves in the Lord and allow him to, to really use us in his, in his kingdom. Yes. Yeah, cer- certainly, brother. I think that that's, um, and I appreciate that because that's really a good transition here too. Just, yeah, you know, stick, stick with his word. Don't try to, to do something else. Right. I mean, it's, I mean, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. looking again at Haggai, right. It's like, well, mm-hmm. they might've been tempted to try to like go with something else. Like, oh, well, maybe we need an- another God or, you know, something like this. Or maybe we, mm-hmm. maybe those gods of Babylon, maybe, maybe those were actually like a pretty good mm-hmm. idea. Right. Uh, but you know, right. what, what we see in chapter one, like, well, the reason why things aren't very good right now is because under, they're under God's judgment, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's the one who actually sent the drought uh, because of this unfaithfulness in the land. So mm-hmm. I, I think you're, you're, you're right on. This is, this is something that happens in the church every day. Um, through, I mean, in every age, as you were putting it, you know, how mm-hmm. often does the church seem like, oh man, things, things are not right. But I mean, it, there's actually God in our midst disciplining us because of a, of a lack of faithfulness stick mm-hmm. with the word, right? It's powerful, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like you were saying. So like when we think mm-hmm. about that power, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that the, the bounty that it's going to produce. See that this this really ties in then to this next section. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and read this this next section here, kind of the second third. Um, mm-hmm. And as you you're already hinting at this, you know, like what's it going to produce? You know, harvest, right? So mm-hmm. here we are picking up Haggai chapter two, verse ten. On the twenty fourth day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil of any or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priests answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priests answered and said, it does become unclean. 
Then Haggai answered and said, So is it with this people, and with this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so with every work of their hands. And what they offer there is unclean. Now then consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were but twenty. I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. Okay. So there, there's a lot. I mean, th- th- we see the general shape of it. Like, hey, blessing is is coming, right? Despite this time of, uh, you know, this this dearth of resources, like you were putting it earlier. But there, there's kind of this logic here about things becoming holy and things becoming unclean and, and, and them polluting things or making things unclean. So help us, help us understand that. Um, yeah. I think that um, as he, as he's kind of closing out this, this section of what he is telling the people, encouraging them, as you know, it's, it's related to the, the following uh, text uh, in, in the uh, minor prophets. Uh, but what, what he is uh, pointing out here is that they have, uh, they have come into the land. When I read this, I, I, I think that um, they, they understand that God is restoring them. I think that they have an understanding of that. I think that they believe that uh, just as uh, they were driven out of the land by their faithfulness, now God is bringing them back to the land. Right. And I think there might be a little bit of this idea that just as he brought them into the land of Joshua, uh, Moses said, you're going to go into this land, and you're going to take possession of houses you did not build. You're going to take possession of fields you did not plant. You're going to take possession of vineyards you did not uh, prune and take care of. And he said, they may have thought that when they went back into that land, it, it would be like their forefathers, because most of these people that are, are going back into the land were not there uh, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar took the land. There are a few that are still there, but the, the majority probably weren't. And, and they think, well, maybe the land will just do what it did before because God's blessing us, so he's going to bless the land. But in effect, that's where their focus was. This is my, my thinking. Of that, that they kind yeah. of focused on that. And because they focused on that, they said, well, look at all the work we have to do in order to make this land produce. I mean, we got to get out there and get the work. And right. their eyes went off of what God was going to do, what God was going to provide. The temple construction was to, in fact, was to, in fact, reestablish this covenant relationship uh, with them in which cleanliness was made, according to Levitical code, possible. Since there were, there were no sacrifices in the temple, since there was no grain offerings to be able to be made there, there was none of that happening. They were all struggling themselves in the field without saying the one that is blessing us is the one who has said he would bless us because he would make his presence known in this place, Zion, if you will, in the mm-hmm. city of David, in this temple. And he said, we have neglected that. Uh, the prophet is saying your, your, your focus is on what you're going to accomplish in the land when God has in fact told you he's going to do this in the land, but you've done nothing 
to worship, to give him the glory, to to raise him up, so to speak, not only amongst the people who have come back to the land, but to all the people of this area that have opposed you. By actually completing that work and raising up that symbol, if you will, the temple, of, of what God has promised and providing for the covenant rituals that would bring about this cleanliness, they have remained unclean in the land, and they don't even realize it. And so he's, he's pulling them back towards building on the foundation that is really a foundation, the Torah and the, the covenant relationship with God. That's the dispensation, if you will. I, I don't often want to use the word dispensation, but that's kind of the situation that they're in at this point, uh, you know, uh, pre-incarnation. So right. they, need to, they need to refocus. They need to refocus uh, on that. Right. Well, well, and I like what you're saying because because he's using right, he's using the the law. He's he's using, I mean, right, like Leviticus, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> to actually exactly. teach them something, right? He's like, mm-hmm. hey, hey, guys, like you know, I gave you this, and this wasn't just you know uh, these kind of arcane rules about you know what whether like a you know piece of meat is holy or not, right, or whether your hand becomes unclean. Like the, the, in in the midst of all of this, this was meant to be teaching you things, and he actually goes mm-hmm. right. Um, and mm-hmm. drawing, like you were saying, drawing them back into his word, refocusing them, right? Say, hey, look, mm-hmm. think about this. This is actually teaching you how this holiness stuff works. And mm-hmm. what, what's what's fascinating about it, right? He's he kind of asks these. These are like these sort of like a kind of like like easy, like you know, underhanded, you know, softball like throws here that like mm-hmm. they should be able to answer very easily, right? And, and the basic mm-hmm. idea is, it's like, okay. Well, if you're unclean, like, you know, say like by contact with a dead body. So this is just a very obvious, like, yeah, that's definitely unclean. Right. Um, sure. And then you go and you touch, you touch something, right? Like, well, of course it's unclean. But in, in the previous example where you take something that's holy, right. And you're, you're holding it um, in, in like the, in the garment. Right. And then like, you know, this garment like kind of brushes across something. Does that make it holy? Well, well, no. And it's just like you were saying what, what this is supposed to be getting at is, hey, look, guys, you, you can't say like, oh, well, well, let's just, uh, you know, our, our hard work and our and our well-meaning intentions, right? You can't mm-hmm. just say like that is going to like just, well, that's just going to cancel out everything and everything is going to be holy and everything is going to be good because we're trying mm-hmm. really hard or we have some kind of like spark of goodness in our hearts or something like that. No, mm-hmm. the law shows you that's not how holiness works. Rather... Mm-hmm because of the uncleanness that you guys are also doing, that's mm-hmm. polluting the whole land, right? And, and so, mm-hmm. I mean, this is mm-hmm. the idea that we saw. I mean, we've we, we seen it so often. We saw it in a really big way in the last, make, say, you know, 10, uh, maybe 20 chapters of Isaiah, maybe 15 chapters, mm-hmm. that idea of like, hey, well, wh- why isn't God listening to our, here, here we are, we're praying and we're fasting, and what's God mm-hmm. say? Well, guys, you're doing that, but you're also doing all this other stuff, right? Which is polluting the land, right? So, I mean, this is this is just getting to your point. I think that like th- they can't go and think that because of you know their their good intentions or their hard work ethic or something that that's going to just you know just kind of sweep everything under the rug or right. something. Like right. they have to look at how this actually works. Yeah, yeah, and somehow that God, you know, with the harder you work, He's supposed to bless you. That's just the, the kind of thinking there is. Whereas it is to God's glory to bless you all the same, and and that you give Him the glory for that. That is the worship, the praise, the celebration, the the uh, work 
if, if you will, for that age, for that purpose at the time of Haggai and the re- returning remnant, uh, that would happen at the temple. This, that's the path to holiness. That's where the holiness is restored, not because of what they do, as, as Jeremiah would say, you know, he, he wants your hearts to be changed, not necessarily just bring your offerings, but that the temple is a place. It, it is the holy place. And because it's the holy place, and, and, and they do these rituals uh, that God has established in his covenant, they will, in fact, become transformed in a sense of understanding that their whole life is to be holy and everything that they do are to be holy. And his prophecy here is, giving, is given at the end of the seed time. That's where he says all about the pomegranates and, and everything's going to do. I'm, I'm just going to restore it all. I will bless you. And all these things that you, you, you are putting your hand to that they're not, not producing, I will do that for you. And it's 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 and that is built upon the foundation of his promise. See, they this is this uh, latter part of the uh, of the oracle is given at the same right. time. This is the time of the planting. So, in in a sense, they have to exercise some faith here that this planting, because you have turned to me, because you have acknowledged me, because I'm the chief cornerstone, I'm the one who is really doing this. Then you will prosper, and these things will come to you. And so there's a sense in which a little bit of faith is going to have to be exercised here now by those remnant that have come back into this land and come back to Jerusalem. Uh, there's an exercise of faith that's going to have to take place at this point. Yeah, I, I like the way you're putting it because, you know, right, this is so the significance of the timing here is this is it's planting time. Right. And so mm-hmm. he's saying, look, uh, last last you know season cycle of uh, planting and harvesting. Didn't work out so well, right? Because, well, I mean, there was this this pollution of the heart. We, we were just leaving the temple of God in ruins. Well, okay, now you guys, like, we, we've we've started work on the temple again. We're, we're doing this, you know, with resolve, like, like, like you know, the, the idea of a be strong, right? There's this resolution mm-hmm. that it's inspired by God, right? He stirred up their spirits right back in chapter one. So it's it, there's the exercise, right? He's saying, look, guys, here you are doing this. Keep it up. Don't lose faith. And in fact, have faith that now I am going to bless you this time. Like plant this stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, as you're planting it, don't do so in this like, oh, well, maybe it's going to work out this year. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. no, do it like with the expectation that you're going to be blessed. Cause I'm telling you this now, believe my word. And isn't that just something, right? Like it, there's so many scriptures that are like that. Like I, I know I was looking mm-hmm. at um, James not too not too long ago, and just how James has this whole discussion on, you know, hey, does any one of you lack wisdom? Well, pray to God, but don't go and pray like, well, maybe He'll give me wisdom, maybe not, because if that's how you're mm-hmm. praying, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, He will not fail no. to bless you and give you wisdom if you pray mm-hmm. in faith. But you can't do this double-minded, like, eh, maybe not, like, kind of like Pascal's wager, like, eh, I've got nothing to lose, can't hurt. Like, that. that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a situation that you see kind of as a pattern throughout Scripture. That's right. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. That's, that's well put. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, the, the exercise of faith uh, is precisely that. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't have faith in faith. We have faith in a person. And uh, that person right. has proved himself over and over and over again to us. Uh, and so we're without excuse uh, when it comes to the fact that what was it that I said that you didn't believe, you know? Uh, yeah. And uh, we have to say, no, no, you were true to your word uh, all the way to the end, and God has been. 
uh, true to his word. And Jesus Christ uh, is, in fact, our chief cornerstone, and we can build a life on him. There's no doubt about it. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that idea of um, a firm foundation, um, mm-hmm. you know, something that like holds us up, right? Doesn't let us mm-hmm. sink or fall down. Uh, earlier, I think before the break, you mentioned the, uh, the, the calming um, of, of the storm and, sure. um, right. and, and, and then, well, and actually then, right, the Lord walking out to them on the water, which is, I think, mm-hmm. well, I mean, these are, these are like my little uh, girls, like favorite Bible stories right now. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, there's another example of it, right? Um, exactly. Peter is mm-hmm. kind of like double-minded in, in this way, kind of like half and half. He's like, well, hey, uh, if it's really you, well, call, call me out and have, have me walk on the water, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like kind of hedging the bets sort of thing where it's like, well, maybe there's some faith, right? But then he gets out in the water and he's like, oh, hang on. Is, is this really going to work though, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's just the problem, right? And then he starts sinking. So, I mean, it's, you know, when, when, we're, our, when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, right? And, and we're just, we're mm-hmm. just soaking up his light and having our spirits mm-hmm. stirred up. Well, then, like you were saying, that gives us a foundation. That, I mean, we have a foundation so strong. I mean, you can walk on water in, in, in the case of what was going on in that uh, episode with Peter. But when you start thinking that, well, hang on a second, maybe this will work. Maybe it's not. Let's just see, you know, hey, it'll be an interesting experiment. Well, then he sinks, right? I mean, so it's, mm-hmm. uh, as you were saying, it's not about uh, faith and faith, but it's, you know, where are your eyes fixed, right? right. Like, you know, wh- exactly. from where does my help come? Right, exactly. That perfect, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, and so that this is going to be really important then in the last section here. We only have a few minutes left. Let's go ahead and read this. I mean, so this is the, you know, okay, this is this moment of, all right, have faith as you do this. And this is going to be important then, especially for the leaders, going back going back to them, Zerubbabel in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's read this these last few verses. Verse 20, the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I am about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother on that day declares the Lord of hosts. I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so just a, I mean, a word of encouragement, right? I mean, just, and we've been talking about that. Uh, The the name Haggai, he has, I mean, it it has been a name ultimately of encouragement. He had to call them out in chapter one and say, hey, Mm -hmm. look, look at this mess. But Mm -hmm. he's saying, guys, there's going to be a festival, even though you're not feeling very festive right now. And and so similarly here was Robobel. Hey, look, I know you're, you're a descendant of David and you're discouraged because all you are is the, the governor here, right? There's, there's a King Mm -hmm. Darius out there in Persia and you answer to him and he's even the one who appointed you, but, but put all that out of your head. Don't look at all that. Look at me because I'm making you like a signet ring. What a, what a metaphor here. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, uh, signary means the seal. Uh, he sealed him. He Zerubbabel is sealed by God in a sense um, uh, that that uh, he has made him uh, in this position for the specific reason. But there's a prophetic reason for it also, because uh, there's a couple of things that the prophet does here. One is he reminds the people of what God did to bring him out of Israel. I mean, out of Egypt. 
and how Pharaoh's army was uh, destroyed in the sea and how, uh, you know, he put, uh, we remember when the, uh, the siege of the, yeah, the siege of the Assyrians uh, when they sieged Jerusalem and how the Lord uh, sent uh, a confusion, a confusion among the, the, uh, the army out there and how right. uh, they destroyed each other. So he's, he's kind of asking these people to remember back what God did. Do you think he did that in the past, that he can't do this again? You don't think that God cannot uh, restore you the way he has restored the things in the past? Of course he can do that. And then he gets down here to, to, to Zerubbabel and to mentioning him, he says, declares the Lord. What is the Lord describing? You will be like a signet ring. Now, a signet ring means the authority of the king. Uh, and that authority of the king is established by the king, not necessarily by right. the one who gets the authority, but by the king himself. By, in this case, it would be Yahweh Sabaoth, the, the Lord of hosts. Mm-hmm. Now, that signet ring, and look what it says, for I shall, you are my chosen, declares the Lord of hosts. That chosen is, of course, the descendant of David, as promised by Nathaniel the prophet in, in 2 Samuel 7, 6. And your house and your kingdom shall be forever before me, and your throne shall be established forever. That is what he's harking back to, that eventually God will set upon the throne of David one who will be forever. Amen. Yes, it points it points ahead to the Lord Jesus. It's it's messianic language, right? right? Even though yeah, Zerubbabel's not going to be a, a, a messiah in the full sense, he's not going to sit on a throne of David. But we're, right. we're pointing ahead to all this, Zerubbabel. I'm working through you, and it's going to happen. There will be one who is my true imprint and seal. There is one who is my chosen one. The, the term that we hear um, in the New Testament of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, he's he's pointing right. ahead to the Lord Jesus himself. So, right. Then, and so when, when, when Paul wrote to the Romans about the gospel of God, yep, he said, yep. son, son of David according to the flesh, but declared son of God by his holiness, his resurrection from the dead. A- yeah. a- amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. So good having you back. Uh, sure. Blessings on Transfiguration and your Lent season. Yes. And have a blessed Ash Wednesday. Th- thank you, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor George. Murda, pastor of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Douglasville, Georgia. We just closed out the book of Haggai, moving on to Zechariah. Until then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.